Dojo Radio, health, homesteading, and human potential. This podcast is for leaders and initiates in the pursuit of sovereign, creative, and an abundant lifestyle. Using story as medicine to uncover allergies and addictions that block our life's potentials. Dojo Radio is your training ground for the truth. Discussions and interviews curated to lead you to create the life you were born to live. Today on the show, we have Saul Luckman, who is a painter and writer and bio-spiritual educator. After becoming chronically ill, he made his living with a form of allergy elimination technique before embarking on a self-healing quest that resulted in regenetics method. It's a tongue twister. <laughs> his book includes the international best-selling Conscious Healing and its popular sequel, Potentiate Your DNA. Saul's latest novel, Callie the, the Destroyer, is a page-turner of a sci-fi set in Orwellian future. And what, four or five other books, um, Saul? Yeah, something like that. <clears throat> and um, you asked me, what do you like to go by? I've heard you um, been called Saul or Soul. Either way, it, basically, it's just an accent thing. Love it. Well, welcome, welcome to Dojo Radio, Saul. Um, Thanks for having me. As I, yeah, absolutely. As I mentioned before, I like to keep a free-flowing um, narrative, um, just kind of see where things take us. I've heard your story um, many times on the different podcasts that you've been on, um, but why don't you refresh my listeners um, with your story of how you came how regenetics came to be and um the the struggles that you went through um with the the jab allergy and and all that you went through in that respects yeah i mean i can give you the miniature version of that it's uh it's actually a, a story that's uh, in its you know its basic uh parameters it's shared by a lot of people i get so many emails saying oh my god your story is my story i can't believe this but i i got jabbed uh, for travel uh, a couple different types of vaccines back in the day uh when i was in graduate school i was going to do dissertation research and and i got really really sick from them ended up with a laundry list of weird symptoms neurological symptoms things like uh, fibromyalgia like symptoms and and that sort of thing uh, lots and lots of allergies environmental sensitivities uh, electromagnetic sensitivity you name it just all kinds of uh, crazy crazy things mm. a very devastating kind of uh, you know what people might think think of as an autoimmune meltdown mm. and i i uh you know i i went uh i i kind of got spit out by the allopathic system which just diagnosed me with depression <laughs> mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. uh and i started making my way through the alternative world and never really found any solutions there either frankly and spent a lot of money uh in that whole process but i did discover i did i did discover qigong a kind of energy work that's related to tai chi that helped me kind of get back on my feet at my lowest point and then I discovered allergy elimination technique, which helped mitigate, uh, at least for a little while, some of the uh, the uh, worst aspects of my of my allergies. Uh, but it wasn't a total solution. And then it kind of uh, imploded on itself and started uh, and I started going back in the opposite direction again. So uh, I, I was kind of left uh, with uh, either I'm going to heal myself, or I'm never going to be well, or I'm going to die. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, 
ended up uh, getting on, I don't know, kind of a shamanic path um, where I was looking at sound, sound healing. I, I was reading things like Jeremy uh, Narby's The Cosmic Serpent. I think it's subtitled DNA and the Origins of Knowledge. It's a fascinating book and gets into how sound can be used essentially to interface with DNA to heal people. And he's claiming that that's, that's really what shamans are doing all over the world. Right. And um, Lee, who is my partner, and I ended up traveling to South America and uh, on a kind of, uh, we were sort of guided to go there. We went to Brazil and we had a series of pretty far out experiences. Uh, I've been called a contactee. I don't know that I agree with that. But in any case, uh, we were eventually given, I'll use that word, a set of linguistic codes, sound codes, vowels, a uh, vowels to be sung at a certain pitch in a certain way. And I was given to understand that that would heal me. And lo and behold, it did. And we and then we started sharing this with other people. We named it uh, the first activation of this potentiation. And this became the Regenetics Method. And, uh, you know, we started sharing it with people remotely uh, all over the place. And people began having all kinds of just amazing, miraculous recoveries from all kinds of things. And also just breakthroughs in other areas of their lives that maybe they didn't anticipate. And uh, so we've been doing that for, gosh, going on two decades now. Um, I mean, it's been, been quite a journey. Um, I've got a couple books out on the method. I think I published Conscious Healing in like 05 and then maybe in 09 or 2010, I published the follow-up to it, which was Potentiate Your DNA. So those are the two major texts on, yeah. on the Regenetics Method. And Potentiate Your DNA is now it's also available in Spanish and we're coming out with the French version. Kind of cool. Oh, cool. Yeah. And the process of uh, putting together with Lee's help, because uh, she's really the, the techie here. I mean, I, I'm pathetic when it comes to that. But with her help, okay. we're putting out a webinar that I have yet to name, but it's essentially a kind of uh, companion to potentiate your DNA where you can really hear the work being done, not in its entirety, but enough to know exactly how it sounds and, mm -hmm. and, and to give you more information on how to do it. Even though like thousands of people all over the world have just done it using the book, but I decided mm -hmm. to do a follow-up webinar that I'm thinking about putting um, on my Substack as a paid option at some point. So you can oh, find very it. cool. Let me. What is my Substack? Let me give that to people because I've really started posting a lot of good, good content over there. I'm oh, also nice. over yeah. on Telegram, but I, Substack's really a kind of cool happening place at the moment. It's um, SaulLuckman.substack.com. So eventually, I very think cool. Few months that's gonna there's gonna be a paid option and i'm gonna begin putting some of this premium content there for people that would actually be a way for people to save money because there'd be a lot of stuff there that if you just did it a la carte would cost a lot more oh awesome yeah i don't know if you know that i've gone through the potentiation the first um the first round of the entire can you give us a kind of a a structure of, of what comes first, potentiation, and then our articulation, and there's different ones uh, from there? Yeah, the model that we're following is that you have essentially four, four uh, primary subtle bodies, and they're the, the physical one, even though it's it's called the physical, it's, it's the energy 
component of the physical body. And I realized that everything is ultimately energy, but just bear with me. So you have the physical subtle body, and then you have the mental subtle body, the emotional subtle body, and the spiritual subtle body. And sort of as you go that way, it's like you're getting into subtler and subtler energies as you approach source, as you approach the, you know, the, the font of our being. Mm. So we developed a way of tracking back through to the ultimate source of one's creations, which really begins in the spiritual body, that spark of our, our divine selves. So you start with potentiation and then you move to, that's a works sort of at the level of the physical subtle body, though it can go deeper in many ways, meaning it can have other mental and spiritual effects or uh, emotional Mm. effects, but it's focused in a certain area. And then you go to articulation, which it's, it centers on the uh, the mental body. Then elucidation is the emotional body, and transcension is the spiritual body. Hmm. Yeah, I'll tell you. For me, this first period, I'm right up to the point where I'm eligible for articulation. And so for me, I've gone from this place of you know, in last year about December, where. Um, I had a lot of, you know, strong desires, things I wanted to accomplish in this world. And then I was drawn to your work um, through the podcast and went through and devoured the books. Um, And at this point, it's pretty on point as far as the the benefits, I guess you describe them as, like in your life, um, the way that I'm able to kind of start manifesting things differently and kind of putting together my my business and my ideas and just my all-around life you know my relationships have kind of grown in a different way and for the better and yeah it's pretty amazing um do you get a lot of stories from people that having similar results oh yeah i mean it's completely out of control i mean we we pretty much stopped posting testimonials on our website or anywhere because there's just been so many uh they just come in all the time so i mean it's it is amazing it really is and we're really grateful to you know to have the support that we've had and also to be able to give back in the way that we've been able to give back and you know we don't really think we we call ourselves developers not not necessarily creators in some ways it just like the work came through us I'm also of the opinion that ultimately we are, you know, we are source. So at some point in time, identity dissolves into that uh, ultimate creator. But um, if you want to think of yourself as in some way separate from that, then uh, we had the experience of sort of bringing through this work from somewhere else. So uh, we've just been sort of faithful servants to that the work in that way. Um, and teaching people how to do it for themselves. That's also been really cool to see people just learn how to do it and then start doing it for their their families or their friends or their dogs or, you know, their gardens or whatever. And then yeah. seeing this crazy stuff happen. I mean, crazy in a positive way. Like, my God, yeah. how, does, how is that even occurring? Yeah, I found that for myself, um, and you described it in your book several ways that um, – people tend to want to stack things on top of it and try to, Oh, I should do this or I should do this extra cleansing or I should do this extra program. And I I found that to have, to have a similar experience. Um, I tried to, you know, curb it to a certain degree where I go, okay, do I just need to be patient and go through this process or me or is source kind of telling me is God kind of telling me to 
um, take on this course or take on this new project. And, um, yeah, so I, it's been, it's been quite a ride, um, of just kind of self-empowerment. Um, how do you see the community of people or people who have gone through this whole process and are mm, evolved or mm, more in connection with source? How do you see that community of the people of people? What's your vision of people living together with this technology? I don't know. I, I, I think, uh, if anything, it's been difficult to bring people together with this work. It's like hurt. It's been like hurting frogs and we stopped trying mm -hmm. to do it for a long, a, a long time ago. We just stopped even attempting to build anything other than a support network through it because there's, there's this phenomenon where people, uh, graduate from the work, if you will, they go through it. And a lot has changed very often and they become a lot more empowered and they're off on their path and they might even forget they even did the work. Mm, yeah. You know? And so this is the last thing they're thinking about. And honestly, that's the way it should be. I mean, mm. people are constantly thinking about this healing work that maybe helped them that maybe they're not healed, you know, but if they're, but if they're not, they're probably in a very good place. So I, I think I see it actually as a good sign for a while there, it was frustrating because I really, I was kind of into the community concept, but really what I, what I see this doing is creating a bunch of like staunch individualists and uh, people with a lot of Kundalini and creative power who, you know, they want to do their own thing. Mm, interesting. I, I also have seen you uh, connected with Mike Winner and you were on the event and that um, community that's forming around homesteading and you know homeschooling your kids and yeah this independence i think there's just a, a large amount of people that are wanting to create you know off-grid living um seems like you're connected to that are you are you into that and gardening and see that as a potential future for people yeah i mean i've always actually been been into that i mean one of the first uh, journalism articles i ever wrote was on csa's you know community supported agriculture mm long time ago but um so it's always been something i've been interested in and i've kind of, i've gone in and out of intentional communities you know um, for my entire adult life um you know mostly i think they don't work and um you know i think there's been so many political divides in recent years that i don't want anything to do with most of them um frankly but i'm I'm willing to, you know, eat my words if something were to come along that really was doing it the right way. And for me, the right way is really, first of all, respecting the this idea that people are sovereign beings and they can do what they want to. I mean, one of the reasons I don't think, I don't really gravitate to things like Burning Man and that kind of thing is that there's just too many damn rules about mm -hmm. everything. And I don't <laughs> like any of that. I don't want anything to do with it. So that's where I'm coming from. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I, I currently live on a... a my day job is managing a organic pasture-based farm in Oregon and we have a kind of a community, but yeah, it's, there's always this, you know, what is the best model of living together and, you know, who's in, who's in control is kind of the, is the, you know, our, how do we live without like one leader? Do we have one leader? Yeah. It's, it's kind of this constant um, flux of how to do it best, but um, yeah, I, I do. do. I've yeah. been there, you know, and done that a lot, and, and 
and, and have had some really positive experiences. I mean, I've lived years of my life in these types of places. Um, so I, I know, I know from experience, you know, what it can be like, and I know some of the highs and I also know some of the lows, uh, with that yeah. experience. I think going I, through the genetics process and getting kind of spit out on the other side, it's just, I am, you know, it's give me liberty or give me death. I mean, that's pretty much where I am. And I, you know, I think that we have to learn if we're ever going to do anything in a, in a sustainable on a community way, you start with this and that they're coming together of their own free will and you have to figure out ways to respect, uh, you know, how, how that works and, and, and to make it work because I don't think there's an easy model um, that I've ever seen for, for making that happen. Yeah. I love it for my, for my kids, you know, to be here. Well, plus we live on a farm and that's, you know, a beautiful thing that they can learn, you know, the homesteading skills and, um, but yeah, just to have other, um, kids around and, and it's been really great. Um, but it's, it's definitely, you know, not perfect in any way. Um, yeah, I mean, I, lo I love that for kids. I mean, it's, uh, it's one of the best things in the world for, for kids. I mean, I, I understand that. Yeah. You know, really for, nice. adult, for adults, you know, I'm not so sure, but for kids, yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Hey, I I read um, Callie the, the the Destroyer, and I I loved it. You know, it's just so poignant um, for what we're going through with all the the craziness. And um, talk to me about your your um, writings. You know, like you your how does it come to you? Like how do you to others who are looking to write and um, bring in stories as, as you have. Well, let me answer that question in a minute, but before I forget, you know, Cali mm -hmm. is a, really a story about community, right? I mean, you have mm. this, you, you encounter, uh, uh, you know, as, as Cali's journey unfolds and, and boy, it's a very interesting community. Is it not just, uh, yeah. You could, and you figure yeah, out and, that you'd be doing really well. And yeah, when you, I don't want to give too much away, but the, the, the group that, contact i mean you did paint a picture of a beautiful uh potential reality um so i i guess you answered that question before through your books um well they i mean the same thing i realized in snooze which was the the previous novel there's another very intentional very conscious community that the, the character of the the, the uh, protagonist of that book max ends up con uh connecting with and mm. that's very, very um I don't know. It's very eye-opening to him, but I also think that there's a lot of food food for thought in there for for readers. And uh, you know, I have I've had people contact me about that particular community in Snooze. I mean, literally just wanted to have a conversation about what inspired me to even think of community that way. Hmm. Um, so that's been very interesting. I've had many con you know uh, conversations with I guess you might say fans but you know these were people who had very specific questions about the community aspect of all the things that Snooze is about lucid dreams and everything in the world the community aspect was fascinating to people well I did love the the connection that you drew of you know your connection of the crow to the bird people and I never had thought of the bird people in that way I'm intentionally not kind of like giving away all the story but I did I have personally kind of felt that connection here working on the farm because I work with animals and I've had a lot of experiences um, that kind of led me up to your work with kind of where the animals kind of communicate. And, and I feel that's, that's a huge thing that they're this, this entity 
that is speaking to us on how we should operate on this earth um and and the bird people in that respect of this kind of higher higher realm of beings um really did speak to me so much that it helped me create kind of a credo for my life um as a chicken farmer i could share if you'd like to yeah, I would love that. that's fascinating yeah go for yeah it. i um i developed a personal credo it's called the way of chi kendo uh -huh. also also because of my you know experience with chi gong and i'm a chi ken farmer so <laughs> chi kendo translates to be energy willingly and it helps me to remember to always be cultivating energy and connected to the earth and caring for the beings who inhabit it. Oh, I love that. And it's very cheeky of you. Yes. Thank you. Thank that you. That's it, great. It, I really like, I, I like the whole concept there. It's very Aikido, very, uh, very balanced blue way. Yeah. Yeah. I try to draw a lot on, on the Tao and um, just just working with animals has given me a new sense of uh, respect. Like I thought I understood certain things about, you know, caring for our environment or being conscious eaters and food preparers. But really, when you work with them on such a large scale and in a way that we do regenerationally to where we're feeding them organic and using them in conjunction to fertilize the fields and work with the pigs and the cows. Um, you start to see a bigger picture of, you know, how we should take care of ourselves and our planet and, and the animals and, and how to have respect for them. Um, yeah, so. No doubt. Yes, absolutely. I, I know that, um, I mean, there's so, so much one could say about the planetary aspect. I mean, you know, this, you asked about Cali the Destroyer. I mean, it, mm. it's, it's a novel about the planet. Absolutely. And uh, it's telling the story of what the planet actually is and it's not what a lot of people think you know but but i'll give you a hint it's the literal mother nature you know mm. and it's it's interesting one of my really good super permaculture you know farm girl friends back in the day i mean you know who was a big environmentalist you know, she said, sometimes, you know, I take a step back and I wonder about, you know, human hubris relative to saving the planet. Mm. Because, you know, it's like, it's a planet, you know, it's, it's, it, and if you believe some of the things, it's even more than a planet. It's like a, you know, some kind of divine being and to think that we could either save or destroy this thing really is, you know, maybe it's just, you know, bullshit, <laughs> essentially. Mm -hmm. it's <laughs> You know, because yeah. this was something she struggled with, you know, as an environmentalist. And I'm like, yeah, I know. At the same time, you know, I'm really into uh, notions of deep ecology. But for me, deep ecology is not just about are you recycling, you know, driving an electric vehicle, which, you know, is a bunch of BS, too. Uh, it's really, um, you know, what is your relationship with the planet? And I think that's where Callie comes in, this book and the work, uh, some of the work that it's drawing on. It helps one conceptualize a very different relationship with the planet where we realize we are actually children of this planet. And so mm -hmm. we are relating to our literal mother. And that really shifts the game on a, on a, a cognitive level, but also on a spiritual level. And, and at that point in time, you truly can become a kind of planetary, spiritual 
I don't know, I hesitate to use the word citizen, but uh, a good steward, really. Uh, but you're also stewarding your own, you know, your own tendencies, your own shadow side, that kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. I think where I've kind of identified shifting into being um, in this other other community, we'll call it, or another reality, is that pulling, like, when you, I tend to look at time a lot. Like we're living in this Gregorian calendar reality. And then if we come from a perspective of, of nature and being connected to nature and just observing nature, we go, oh, wait, isn't there like 13 cycles of the moon in a year? And even if that's all sci-fi BS, just looking at a different perspective of nature and the cycles that we're living in. And then going, oh, well, maybe, maybe if I just focus on this reality over here, this one over here starts to kind of lose its grasp on, on what, where I'm actually at, you know? I mean, like just, just the, the concept of time itself. And, and, and do you touch on that in, um, in which book is that? I think there's one of the books you, you kind of focus on time and lucid dreaming. News is a yeah. That's the book where I'm I'm working off of um, off of Dewey Larson's uh, reciprocal system of physical theory. Uh, theory. It's a physics that was elaborated in the 50s, maybe into the 60s. He wrote mm. several about this, and and so he posited a kind of um, a continuum, a unified field that links us to a mirror a mirror reality where time mm. and space reverse. So when you travel right. in the dreams, then and so when you travel, if you're in your dream and you travel in space, you're actually time traveling. And mm -hmm. it's very, it's, it's a real big mind bender and it's kind of hard to wrap your mind around the, these concepts. So I thought, okay, well, what I'll do is I'll write a book, you know, that actually, uh, you know, fictionalizes them and puts them into a narrative concept, so that, a context so that people could experience it in some way like oh that's how it would work you know that's how you would actually time travel that's how what's what lucid dreaming is, is dreaming is yeah. do it's where you're going when you lucid dream and it's also how you might you utilize that technology of lucid dreaming or traveling in your mind to activate these miraculous abilities that you know have been called the cities s-i-d-d-h-i cities uh mm -hmm. it's a is a Sanskrit, I believe, term for um, for essentially uh, kind of uh, miraculous uh, abilities that are actually just part of being human when you learn how everything works and how to connect with that part of yourself. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, just the, the, the act of, uh, I think in neuro-linguistic programming, it's called reframing. I've been doing a lot of redefining, like just because there's a, a particular word that might you think mean something each each and every one of us have a different definition subconsciously about that and just taking and breaking down on multiple different subjects in our life it, my life starts to kind of shift as i realize oh i can change the definition subconsciously and i'll start to get aligned with what i actually feel like it should be or what my higher self or god wants it to actually believe and um, yeah it's fascinating when we start to understand that our bodies, it's actually our bodies contain more of the information than our mind. The, the stuck, the stuck blocks and 
the energies in all of our, because we just think of ourselves like, I think the narrative wants us to believe that we're this, this potential mind, this, this super brain, but we're actually a whole being. <laughs> and I, I, right. I love how your, your work, um, I, I just really grabbed on to how in the spiritual movement that we are led to believe that we're just the light, the chakra system. And when reality, there's this whole other body of sonic sonicness that we're not even tapped into. Well, yeah, I know it's, 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 it's like there's um, almost a, a kind of matrix inside the matrix when you look at, you know, people trying to get out of the matrix, but they're mm -hmm. in their minds there. We call them like, you know, being like bubble heads or bobblehead dolls or whatever. They're just so in their heads and it's all about thinking and the power of positive thinking. Mm, yeah, I think that's you know, my like, whole 20s all and 30s. That, it's like ultimately yeah. it's kind of comical because it almost never works for anybody. Uh-huh. You know, really what you have to do to actualize these desires, these these imaginings or whatever is you have to feel them. And so, you know, and potentiate your DNA, I talk about the power the power of positive feeling. Mm-hmm. I had some really interesting quotes. I've been reading back through, well, some of it reading back through and some of it reading for the first time. Some of Neville's work. Do you know Neville Goddard or Goddard? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so um, he, he wrote a series of books like this is this is from a 1938 book called At Your Command. And if you don't mind, I'd love to just share a few quotes because, I mean, it contextualizes this whole concept that I get into in regenetics and in, in conscious healing that consciousness creates. Yeah, absolutely. Consciousness creating. It's, it's really it, that's what it is. And so here's a few really cool quotes. And he's, he's what he's doing is he's using. He's interpreting uh, uh, the Bible and uh, other scriptures as guides for how we incarnate, imagination is, and that kind of thing. So it's really mm -hmm. fascinating. His entire you know worldview is fascinating. And this book, I believe, was like from 1938. Right. And so he says, "You do not command things to appear by your words or loud affirmations, but you you know decreeing is ever done in consciousness." And so really, he's talking about the feeling there. He's starting to touch on this this idea. He says, "The awareness of being is the door through which the manifestations of life pass into the world of form. Consciousness is the resurrecting power, resurrecting that which man." And this was 1938 which man is conscious of being man is ever out picturing that which he is conscious of being this is the truth that makes man free for man is always self-imprisoned or self-freed very very intense stuff uh, if, yeah. if i be lifted up in consciousness to the naturalness of the thing desired I will draw the manifestation of that desire unto me. <laughs> mm, mm. Uh, if you are dissatisfied with your present expression in life, the only way to change it is to take your attention away from that which seems so real to you and rise in consciousness to that which you desire to be. You cannot serve two masters, quoting Matthew, therefore to take your attention from one state of consciousness and place it 
is to die to one and live to the other. So it's really fascinating what he's talking about, and it's been kind of it's been co-opted and and utilized by many you know consciousness and new age types of teachers uh, ever since. But I don't believe anyone's ever done it as well as he did it, and and and, and created as coherent a model for how all of this works. So really, he's basically saying that we can't we can't fight fire with fire. We can't stay in the same level of consciousness looking at the problems we actually have to focus on the solutions and but more than that we actually have to feel it mm -hmm. we can't just think about solutions we can't theorize it we have to go to the solution as if it had already happened and feel what it would be for that to have occurred and when you do that it's like planting a seed that begins to germinate and to self-actualize right interesting yeah i think so many times uh, in the new age thought that it's almost like these spells that we, oh, we can't say the wrong thing or think the wrong thing. And we do cancel, cancel, clear, and try to eliminate the thought of the negativity and try to be positive. Um, but when actually actuality, it's, it's looking at the whole kind of connectivity of how this word is connected to this word and that, that one is connected in a sonic term like you see the words connected to each other and heal through how the positive the negative the polarities and all kind of combined and then redefine it kind of look at like what it act how does it feel to me how does it make me feel what does it bring up and how and where how can i use it to get there yeah he's really powerful and i think that all the truth that neville was saying was out there like for certain obviously because it was you know what in the 30s to he was 30s 40s 50s where he was really prolific that it was there but but people were not able to they they translated it in the way that they thought it, sh it what they thought it meant because that was for what they where they were for their level yeah, only the funny thing is, is that that's what he's, he's saying is happening to the Bible, for example, is that it was really meant as a kind of uh, manual and to be read mm. simply, not literally. And and then everyone misinterpreted it and started worshiping an external God and all this kind of thing. And mm. so his own work, in turn, was misinterpreted So uh, or, you know, slightly skewed in some ways, maybe intentionally at times, I don't know. But uh, mm. it's kind of funny. It's very difficult for people to really get what he's saying is that that God is the imagination. Imagination is God. We be This power became us so that we could have an experience and return to being pure imagination again. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, it's really funny how all this ties into my books because before I even heard of Neville, I, I wrote this book called Beginner's Luke. And it's All a series right. of, it's actually six books. What was one big book that I ended up breaking up into six books? It's a long story of why that happened. I was offered a contract and then I, but the, the publishing house wanted to, me to break it up. And then I did that and then I turned down the contract. <laughs> you know, anyway, I just didn't feel good about giving my power away in, in, in that, at that uh -huh. time, that way. But it's a, the Beginner's Luke is about this guy who goes around imagining himself into existence. Uh -huh. And he, and there are times when he's less conscious of the fact that he's doing that and times that he's more conscious of doing that. Uh, and that's very Nevillian in that, you know, it's really clear that 
all about your level of awareness of what you're doing. And you're, you're constantly doing it, whether you know, it's even possible to do, you are totally always out picturing your imagination, even if you don't know anything about that. And if it's all bad. Yeah. Yeah. I, I actually was going to ask you about that. Cause I, I feel like that's one of those themes that it's my, like a deja vu that I had like growing up my whole life, kind of this feeling. Aren't I the one who's creating this situation? Or aren't I the one that's responsible for, for putting my life into existence this way? Um, it, and it feels like, it feels like that where um, you don't know until you know, or you haven't done, you're not there until you've, you've come through to the other side. Well, I'll have to read that one to my son, my, my kids. I have a son named Luke, so we'll get a kick out of that. Oh yeah, well, I'm, what I'm going to be doing this next year is reissuing the book as one big book as it was originally intended to be released. Nice. I might shift the title on that because I published the first three volumes years ago before I before I was ready to. Probably it was a mistake to do it, or you know, I don't know if there were mistakes, but anyway, it didn't work out too well from a publishing standpoint. So I'm going to reboot that entire project because it's I think it's a pretty good book and. I've had good feedback over the years. I just, I didn't package it in quite the way I think it needed to be. And maybe I just got derailed by the publisher having me break it up. If I had just released the book, it would have done better. So who knows? Well, do you have any advice for uh, those? I'm about to finish uh, The Way of Chi Ken Do. Um, do you have advice for people who are ready to self-publish and, and put their works out into the world? Well, gosh, yeah, it depends on which aspect of it you're wanting advice on. I mean, there's the mm. writing part, there's the editing part, there's the publishing part, and then there's the marketing part. So, you know, it's like, where are your questions? Yeah, exactly. I, I guess I feel confident in the in the writing and um, in the marketing. I'm getting a, a better grasp of it. I don't know if there's anything that sticks out to you that where you're, you had some pitfalls you wanted to share with yourself when you uh, first started. Well, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be afraid to get some professional editing um, on mm -hmm. it, just to look mm -hmm. for stupid mistakes that's really hard to catch yourself. And now with places like Fiverr, it's people who are doing that and who are doing a pretty good job. Yeah, they don't. They don't charge that much money. So you can get somebody to look over your manuscript and you, not necessarily to give it a critique, but just what you're. You, you know, what I'm talking about. Maybe you want the critique, but I'm talking about somebody to just help you find. Uh, obvious mistakes yeah so, and that can be grammatical that can be spelling that can be a, a date that's off somewhere if they figured something out or something that just doesn't make sense that you didn't really see maybe because of you know who knows what so going through that process and then you know being kind of anal about getting the cover the way you want it and everything and you know you always have to keep in mind that even though there's been a dumb democratization of publishing with um with um uh, the whole, you know, uh, you know, rise of uh, all of these uh, little self-publishing houses and stuff, mm -hmm. you're still in competition with the big boys. Mm -hmm. So you need to really make the book look good as, good, as good as you can and, and have it, you know, like I said, well, well edited, but also just, uh, you know, give it some bells and whistles on the inside to, for eye candy for people reading it to feel like it's, you know, it's, it's more than just a manuscript that's been slapped between the covers of a book. So that would be, you know, part of the publishing aspect. And then, you know, I would, I would do build up around the publishing, you know, and mm -hmm. you know, really, 
really work on, you know, turning it into an event or really a series of events yeah. uh, and, and, and give it, give some real thought to, to doing an audiobook at some point, which I just, we just released uh, about a month ago, we released the audiobook of Cali the Destroyer and that's been going over well. Oh, cool. Um, so that was my first audiobook, and I'm, I'm planning on going back and doing an audiobook for snooze as well. And then from a, a marketing standpoint, you know, there's a lot of great things. I mean, what you're doing is podcast. Obviously I would tell you to do a podcast. I think, uh, I think, uh, Substack is a really interesting place that allows you to create a, an interesting community and a, a great mailing list that you can interact with very effectively. Oh, so that's cool. a other thing that you might want to look at is Substack, and if you do come over there, uh, you know, follow me or let me know you're over there, and I'll put you on my little like blog roll. So you would be, um, I would be recommending. Please. So I've been doing that to people that I'm, you know, who's who are sort of on the wavelength that I can find on Substack. Not that many so far. It's like five or six people. I found John Rappaport and Celia Farber and a few other people, but um, it's not that it's not uh, so far. It's been a lot of what I would call kind of. Um, alternative uh people who are still very much in the real world though you yeah know, glenn, glenn greenwald for example you know who's a good writer but you know i'm not sure that he understands some of the concepts that we're having in this conversation right right well i noticed that you're you really um call out the truth when it when it came to the um covid conspiracy um and you still and you still do what do you what do you think is the the bleeding edge right now of understanding um, the deception that's going on? <laughs> that's a really really good question. I think the bleeding edge has been the same all along. And let let me before I tell people what I think the bleeding edge is, let me just give some some context here. So yeah. if you read if you read John Lash's Not in His Image, and if you read okay. ancient Gnostic texts. There is a compelling argument to be made that the ultimate puppet masters that we are contending with right now are not even humans. They're okay. extraterrestrials and they're called archons. And that's the word used for them in the ancient scriptures that were found, you know, in Nag Hammadi in like 1948 or something like that. Right. So, yeah. you know is an old concept that these, these people were writing about these what they described as mind parasites or what uh -huh. Lash interprets to be mind parasites. None in His Image is an amazing book. So okay. I highly recommend that people go and read that. And it's about deep ecology and about what the earth really is and it's the whole fallen goddess scenario and all the many of the things that I that I I fictionalize in Cali the Destroyer. Okay, so, cool. Yeah, I didn't know if you if you endorsed his work, I went down the rabbit hole of studying him. Yeah, he is fascinating. That's cool. I don't I do not endorse the Calico War Party or any of that bullshit. I endorse this one book that he wrote. Okay. Very cool. All right. All right. Okay. And so that's what I endorse. Everything else to me is completely unhinged, but that's just my opinion. <laughs> yeah, um, wild. But that doesn't mean that, you know, you can't have uh, moments of, of sheer genius like, you know, um, you know, somebody like uh, Van Gogh or something who ends up cutting his ear off after he does all this amazing work. So, you know, uh -huh. I, I'm not making a mental diagnosis here. I'm just saying if you look at that book and you compare it to some of the later stuff, there's some there's some big divide happening there in my mind. But uh, okay. but I'm a huge respecter of his work and of his acumen in that book. And I think it's one of the most important books uh, that's been written in the last, I don't know how many years, many years. 
Okay, so uh, I derailed you a little bit. So you have this idea that if we're we're really actually being controlled by these beings who um, we're related to in a very odd way, and there's a whole story around that, and I get into that mm -hmm. in Cali the uh, Destroyer. Right. And they use simulation to control us. They control our minds by using simulation. What do you mean, you might ask? Well, like television and radio and internet and and deep fakes and all of this other stuff where the world becomes increasingly a simulacrum where nothing is real anymore and just look what's happening with meta and mm, yeah. and ai and all of this virtual reality nonsense that's going on it's literally the archontification of the world and in that world it's kind of like the world follows the same pattern that the former CIA director Dulles outlined when he said, we will know, we, the CIA, will know that our mission was successful when 100% uh, of what Americans believe is fake or untrue. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that is how the Archons work. So their ultimate weaponry is not real things. Uh -huh. So here they are using this pandemic to control the planet, and if that's an archontic thing, and I believe it is, then they would never use a real virus. They would use a simulation of a virus, and that's exactly what they're doing. It's just a computer simulated, uh, it's not even really a genetic sequence, it's, it's a genetic alignment that's just a Frankenstein's monster of RNA sequences that have been found in genetic soup that have never been truly isolated or purified in any meaningful way. So yeah. we don't have a virus. We have a case-demic created by fake PCR testing being directed by an archontic agenda that is, ba is based in pure reality simulation. David Icke was all over this. He also writes about and talks about the archons a lot. He was completely mm -hmm. all over this at the very beginning. And I, you know, I've been interviewing and, and blog, re-blogging people like Dr. Tom Cowan, uh, Dr. Sam Bailey, Dr. Amanda Vollmer, uh, uh, Dr. Uh, uh, Sid Cowan, Kaufman, Andrew Kaufman, uh, lots of other people, mm -hmm. Stefan Lanka, who is, a, who's, I like to call him a recovering virologist. Um, yeah. Because the problem here is, is that virology is a fake science. Right. And vi I mean, virologists might as well be astrophysicist working for nasa i mean it's that uh -huh. made up it's that completely uh archontified and and um well fictionalized ultimately fictionalized all of it so do you think that there's this uh, parallel universe right now because like uh, i find that there's certain people that have been more or less um indoctrinated into the events that played out that they're still kind of living in this reality that it's affecting their lives. It keeps affecting their lives. Like they can't stop talking about it. They feel like it's kind of like they're kind of happy about it in a way. They're like, wow, this thing, I got sick from it. And I, then I got this disease from it. And then I got to go to the hospital because of it. Do you, and then there's these other people like yourself and, and myself and, people I try to associate with where the, we're breathing fresh air. I don't know. And it feels like there's two separate realities right now. 
Well, wonderful Neville quote, the only way to change your expressions of life is to change your consciousness. For consciousness is the reality that eternally solidifies itself in the things around, around about you. So if you're focusing on COVID and you're still believing in viruses and that they cause illnesses and that kind of thing, then you're going to live in a world that will control you because that's what it's set to do now. Mm-hmm. You will never get out of COVID. You will never get out of lockdown. You will always live in fear and you will always be completely subjugated to this agenda. Mm-hmm. And you will also help bring it about for a lot of other people who have not changed their consciousness out of it. Mm. So, you know, I mean, there's a little thing called science and there's no proof and there's never has been proof that any virus has ever caused any illness. Right. Viruses per se don't exist. And that's just the fact of the matter. And everything else is pseudoscience and I mean, embarrassing pseudoscience. Yeah. It's, it's really. So you and I both know that it started where it started and, and why it started and how they just dis- the deception, the original deception of pulling out the information from you know, to make us believe that we're mechanistic, that we're not spirit. Um, so what do you think is, is their, their end game now, like currently to control us, obviously, but what is the next thing that even conscious people have to kind of be aware of or uh, watch out for? What is the pitfalls for people who are kind of ahead of the curve? Well, before I speak to that, going back to the consciousness part of, part of this discussion, if we focus on what they're trying to do as opposed to what we're trying to do, right? We, we do greatly risk helping them and hurting ourselves. Mm-hmm. So what happens is when, as soon as you start talking about these issues, and I've written books about it, so I'm as guilty as anyone, you, you in some ways reify their reality that they're trying to bring into existence as opposed to promoting a kind of godlike exit from that matrix. Interesting. And so, so having said that, obviously they're trying. They're in the they're in the control and depopulation business. So they're trying to control and ultimately depopulate uh, the the globe, so that uh, they kill about thirteen out of fourteen people on the planet, and the rest are just total slaves sucked into their Borgian AI transhumanist nightmare. Well, what is the balance though? Because I think that educating people on what's really happening i think is is what is the goal of that like to help people you know escape escape the clutches of evil but so at some point you're saying um because sometimes i feel like when i am tuning into your content um i'll play devil's advocate that i feel like oh you're focusing too much on on the deception you know what instead of the solutions right so what is the balance of of kind of pointing out the illusion and just living in the flow of, or the frequency of energy, the correct, the best, highest quality frequency of energy. Yeah. And that is a great question. And it's one I'm, I'm asking myself on a regular basis right now. Um, You know, I've spent two years really laying out the case for the nature of this, of this pandemic and 
really essentially, you know, proving my point in a redundant, a ridiculously redundant way. And yet, you know, so many people, even in the so-called truther movement, movement um, I call them half-truthers, you know, they're mm -hmm. still idea of a virus or something bioengineered or gain-of-function research, and it's all just complete nonsense. It's mm -hmm. just all just ridiculous. It's none of it's real. Right. So um, uh, it's very frustrating in that way. Um, and I think the question is, ultimately, you know, if, if everything is created through consciousness and the imagination, the logical corollary is that you only get out of things by using your imagination. Mm -hmm. And you don't get out of something by imagining it and focusing on it all the time. You get out of something by imagining something different from that. So I'm, I find myself in a kind of phase shift, even like in my blogs and what I'm putting out there, where I'm, I'm, I'm just, I feel myself turning towards more of my roots, like back to beginner's Luke and that kind of thing, where mm. I'm focusing back on the imagination and on the kind of metaphysics of reality creation. Yeah, as and a, I heard that as from opposed you. To the, as opposed to the physics of the way reality seems to be. Because ultimately, reality is just super malleable. Mm -hmm. Oh, I was really excited, yeah, to hear you um, on another podcast I, uh, recently. And you led um, kind of a guided meditation. Um, if you're prepared to do something like that, I'd love to have kind of jump into that that nettle devil kind of um, imagery. Um, well, any 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 resemblance between David Wilcock and myself is is completely accidental. I'll let people just interpret that however they like. So, um, yeah, maybe. I mean, we could do that. That would be fun. I, I like harnessing that that consciousness, and the beauty of that is that anyone listening to this a year from now, even or later, yeah. you know, could, could tap into that and you know help build whatever reality people are wanting to build. Mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. yeah it'd be fun I mean, for you you know to even like go with what your vision is because i mean you're you're, you're living in this intentional community and that kind of thing so i the, could the, start it off even if we like did like a tag team kind sure of, sure yeah uh, you want me to just give a, a just a very brief explanation of how that works yeah you can lay some ground so they're, they're not yeah. lost when we start doing because it's kind of yeah. weird i did this with sam bailey dr sam bailey and, and that's what it was yeah you kind of got into it, but at the same time, it's really it's really hard to do at first because it seems a little counterintuitive. So you're mm. it is a technique that's taught by Neville Goddard, in which you focus on what you're wanting to accomplish as if it's already happened. I mentioned something along mm. those lines earlier, and you can you speak about the past, uh, the present, like our current present, as if it were in the past. So whatever mm -hmm. we're dealing with, whatever struggles we might be having, challenges or whatever have been overcome, and this this new improved reality has taken its place. And Neville uses the example of somebody or a real estate developer who really wants mm -hmm. to create yeah. like condo community or an, an alternative community, you could say. I mean, just, we can make it up. So let's just say a real estate developer wants to develop this really cool intentional community somewhere. And right. the, 
The guys found the land. It's perfect. It's got a river. It's got places to grow stuff. You could do hydroponic systems. It was awesome. Just the whole thing is fantastic. Doesn't have a cent to his name, but has a vision. And the way he makes that happen or or co-creates that, if you want to say that, say it that way, is he he begins speaking or in, in, even in his, just in his mind from the future of that already being created. And he says, do you remember when this was just an empty lot and there was nothing built here? There was no, nobody lived here. It was just trees and birds and, and it was beautiful, but, but it was also not what it has become, which is this thriving human community, blah, blah, blah. And we just go on and on talking yeah. about the, the past as if it truly were the past and it, and now he's in the in what would be our future having been very successful in creating that desire does that make sense yeah um i definitely was feeling that as far as giving food to the initiate who would have a desire to have something, but don't yet understand, you know, information that they're yet to, to, to consume. And I think speaking from that place of I'll, I'll give it a go. All um, right. <laughs> do you remember that time sitting in yourself before you understood business concepts that enabled you to attract creative financing that allowed you to purchase this land that we're able to create these events on and have these people uh, come to us before we knew how to use marketing in a conscious way. Oh yeah, I, I think you know this entire group of people were just sort of flying blind, and it seemed impossible from a pragmatic standpoint, you know. And then suddenly it began to change. There was just a a kind of upswing and momentum, and all of these serendipities began to happen. And suddenly, the people showed up to support this project. It was a miracle, but it happened. Yeah, Saul, I remember a time before this where I imagined talking to you specifically and people like Mike Winner and having a strong desire to create friendships and create community. And now I sit here having interviewed Mike and talked to you and looking out on this pasture with these organically fed cows that feed my family oh that's beautiful yeah and you know i remember this was a time in my life when i wanted to be able to maybe go out and do some traveling around and doing some on plein air painting and photography and that kind of thing and i wanted to get this this really cool italian rv called a wingham mm. You know, it's kind of expensive and they weren't even in the United States yet. They were kind of on their way and, and, and it seemed kind of like a, you know, a pipe dream at the time. And, 
then it happened. It just, it was, I was able to, to find one and we got financing on it and, uh, you know, our income increased greatly and we were able to go off uh, and have these adventures. And now we're here hanging out with you on your amazing farm. It's, it's kind of uh, surreal. Oh, yeah. I, I love that we were able to connect that way and that I also have an, a really cool vintage RV that we could hook up in Idaho and, and hang out and eat grass-fed burgers or salad if our <laughs> wives wanted love to. It. <laughs> right on. Thanks, Saul. I that's love awesome. it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So that's cool. So people yeah. can really get a sense of how to, how to play with this. And you can also take desires that you might be having in your mind and just fall asleep in that reality. So instead of necessarily having the conversation, you can also just visualize and feel aspects of that future reality and go to sleep in that heart and mind space. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it'd be so, so beautiful for, for relationships and couples to be able to feel into the things that they want and um, really develop the ideas or the ideal life that they want to live. Well, let me just speak to that briefly, because when I was really sick, I was also really lonely and this was mm. pre medics and it was before I met Lee. And I, I remember uh, this is before I even really knew a lot about new age things or anything. I remember uh, falling asleep night after night, just uh, intuitively, instinctively imagining having a partner who would like spoon me. I felt like I really needed to be comforted because I was alone and sick mm. and broke and everything. And, you know, I just, that's what I envisioned. So I would try to get out of the mindset of feeling freaked out or hopeless. And I, that's what I envisioned. And it wasn't more than a few months before Lee showed up in my life. Wow, that's beautiful. Well, man, it's been a real pleasure talking with you. Um, I feel like I could talk with you infinitum. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, likewise. This has been fun. Yeah, I mean, you really have. Your work has really changed my life. Um, I, I'd love to get into the events that happened uh, before before finding your work um, another time. Um, it was really kind of a spectacular uh, event in my life. It happened about a year ago. Um, but I just wanted to, I don't know, just thank you for all of your hard, hard work and all of the, uh, for you getting in the flow of the universe and finding these tools to share with people. Um, where can people, what are the best places? I know crowrising.com. What are some other places? Yeah, crowrising. And then there's my Substack, the Saul, Saul Luckman, whatever that is, saulluckmans.substack.com. I'm over on Telegram um, at, at uh, what is it? I don't know, tm, uh, uh, t.me slash Saul Luckman. And then phoenixregenetics.org is the regenetics uh, site. So you can head over there and, you know, I've got lists and stuff. You can you can sign up for the email list there if you're interested in that work. There's also a um, a free monthly worldwide potentiation ceremony that you can register for. It's the first Sunday of every month. So if you wanted to experience the work and have it done for you as part of a group ceremony, it, uh, the website explains how that's done and and you can sign up for free. And I'll share around when you have your new um, webinar. 
um, on next method, um, as well as letting people know that um, I can I can do the first potentiation for people at this point. Um, I have awesome. I have learned and I have my tuning forks, and um, I just really enjoy the process. Um, yeah, thanks again, uh, Saul. I really appreciate your time and and all that you do. Well, thank you, Chris, for having me. It was fun. Maybe we can do it again sometime. I would love that. Thanks so much.